From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be. Right here, right now. Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. everybody. This is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Leslie Eckford and Amanda Lambert of MindfulAging.com. Go ahead and check it out. It's got lots of great information and a really great newsletter, blog, whatever you want to call it, comes in my inbox and it always has great information, um, especially if you're a caregiver for a parent or your parents are aging and you're wondering, you know, there's got to be better ways to do the things we're doing and that's where Mindful Aging comes in. So today we're going to be talking about downside the family home and you know it seems like every episode we get on and we talk and they're like well you're going to fight about this well you're going to fight about that well and it's true as parents age there's a lot of disagreement unless you're an only child and if you're an only child you won't be listening to this because you'll be so busy and overwhelmed (laughs) taking care of them you won't have any help um but everybody has an opinion and when it comes to your parents and you've got siblings or step siblings or sometimes grandchildren. In my family thing, there's a grandchild thing because my one son is like my dad is his dad. That's how he grew up. So he feels he has the same say in grandpa's care as my dad's children. Very interesting scenario. So when we go to downsizing the family home, Who gets to make the decision, especially if mom or dad can't, won't, or are unable to make those decisions? Like, this is where we have a mess in Maple Leaf Garden. Like, there's there's just places for conflict at every step. What do you guys think? You guys have had experience in this. It is treacherous. And I think it goes back to the advanced directive, the will, the trust, the legal papers, because it is very helpful as people get closer to retirement to think ahead, to have the hard conversations with their children as they're growing older and say, I am assigning this task to all of you, but so-and-so is going to be the leader. So if there are uh, disagreements, then it goes to so-and-so to be the final say. Right. And that in itself could save a lot of time later. And we do know families who, unfortunately, even with those legal um, precedents set in place, there will be uh, challenges to that, even legally. Uh, some. Uh, siblings are just simply not going to accept it. But once you get underway with downsizing, it is such a huge task that most people realize they don't want to be the captain of the ship. Um, It's it's quite a lot of decision-making. And so I call it decision-making fatigue. When you are uh, working on this 
huge issue. Mm-hmm. So my question though, is it's one thing when you're talking about, you know, mom or dad's chair or, you know, their dishes or, but what about, you know, when there are things of value. value. So when there are things of value, I think that's where it gets really touchy. And unless somebody in their will has been very, very specific, you know, I want these items to go to such and such. And that does not always happen. Mm-hmm. You know, people have not always made a will. That I think is where the conflict comes. Don't you think, Leslie? Oh, yeah. Especially in these times where we have so many possessions um, and they don't even have to be what would be something that would get a good price if you were to sell it. It could be just something that's very sentimental and people will say, well, dad really wanted me to have that. And someone else says, no, he told me himself. This is for me. Those are very, very difficult situations. Leslie, I'm just going to stop you here for a second because now is a good time to thank our sponsor. And today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I want you guys to give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash powered up like the show Powered Up Talk Radio and get on your way to being your best self. Now, as we talk today about downsizing the family home after the death of a parent, I want to share with you how I found therapy very beneficial for me. I come from a big family and there were lots of decisions to be made about possessions, about property, about really just about everything was put up to this family vote. And for me, being the baby of the family, I often wasn't heard and I didn't feel heard. So I would get upset. And then I'm kind of a people pleaser. So I didn't want anybody upset with me. And what my therapist helped me do was learn how to figure out what's best for me. I really couldn't figure out what's best for me without relating it to what's best for my kid, what's best for my dad, what's best for my brothers and sisters. You know, all these things got me into just a confused mess and I would start to cry and I couldn't think my way through it. So it was really helpful for me to learn some coping skills, to learn some, you know, ways to think about me without being in relation to everybody else. And it really made me better at expressing myself in family meetings so that I felt heard and I, you know, my needs were attended to because I matter too. And for some of you listening today, you're always on the last part of your list if you make the list at all. So it was really helpful for me to have a therapist that was advocating just for me, not for me to be selfish, but but to identify what I wanted and to help me express that to my brothers and sisters. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, I want you to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you know what? You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So if you want better balance, you want better tools, better skills in handling situations, especially like the death of a parent or downsizing the family home, which is our topic today, visit betterhelp.com slash powered up today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash powered up. You'll be so glad you did. Now we're talking today with Leslie Expert and Amanda Lambert about, you know, dividing up all these things. And, you know, if there's only one kid, it's easy. When you have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten siblings, you have different outcomes. And I want to talk about some of those outcomes. 
when we see a good outcome with that is when those siblings can agree to share something. Like, why don't you keep it for the first two years and then I'll take it for two years and then everyone feels fine. But that doesn't always happen. Unfortunately, it has a lot to do with that feeling of needing to be approved of by your parent, whether they're living or not living. That dynamic doesn't die with the person. You right. feel that need for them to show you that they approved of you, that they liked you, and sometimes uh, an actual material possession speaks to them that way emotionally. So, well, yeah, I mean, I think hard. it's interesting you talk about Very this. My sisters and I are the, they like the family comes down to just us with girls. Everybody else are boys. So my mom had jewelry from my German grandma, from my Polish, you know, grandparents, from her aunts, her uncles, like it all funneled to my mom. And yes, it's kind of worth a lot of money, but not really. You know, I mean, we're not talking a hundred thousand dollars, but they're, you know, they're nice pieces, they're antique pieces. And my mom, to keep the peace, put, four Ziploc bags together, wrote each of our names on it, and she divided up and she put on a, just on a little slip of paper, she wrote for Sandra, like for Susan, for Jill. Um, and then when she gave them to us before she died, we were sitting around her bed. She goes, now girls, if you want, you can share it, but I want you to have it. I tried to divide it up fairly and at the time i was really angry because one of the pieces went to my sister and my sister's like basically i'm not going to share this kind of thing but then you know now it's 11 years later i can't even remember what that piece was so at the right. time things feel like oh why did you get that oh, like i got my grandma's co cocktail ring from germany it's like a rose cut diamond it's beautiful do you know it's been in my safe in the bank for like three years i don't even know if it's still there but at the <laughs> time of my mom's death you know there's such heightened emotion even when they're moving from a, a, a house maybe the childhood home to the house there's all this emotion around stuff and i also want to share with the audience that my mom was sick for a long time before she died. I downsided her house into my house. So I had all of her things in my house. And after about a year, they became clutter. They became junk. Not like that they were junky, but I was like, I had my mom's handbags in my closet. My mom had beautiful handbags. My mom had beautiful clothes. So, you know, the things that were timeless. And I used to walk in my closet the months after she died and just bawl my eyes out. I mean, I kept her slippers. I was kind of like, you know, the death pat rack, you know, pack, pat rack or pack, pack rat. But then it became stuff. And I can tell you the moment at which my, I have a his and hers closet in my bath, be, bedroom, even though I'm only a hers, I had my mom's stuff in there. When I opened the closet one day, it smelled musty. It smelled like somebody's old stuff. And the emotion left the things. Because I think when we're in periods of high emotion, like downsizing a house or somebody dies and you have to, you know, you know, move all this stuff to new locations, I don't like to use the word get rid of it. Get rid of it sounds so awful. 
So I, my mom would say to me, can you find new places for my things, find new homes for my things? You know, no, don't just throw it all out. Don't get rid of it. You know, that's hurtful languaging. But if you find a new home, like bringing her pots and pans to the church, they can use them in their kitchen. Like I found new homes for things was much less painful than getting rid of things. But by the time a year passed and I opened that closet and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I've got all this stuff in here that was my mom's it didn't smell like her it didn't feel like her like the energy of things leaves and it becomes just a thing do you guys find yeah. that same experience yeah i think that's a, a great point and one thing you can do one strategy like if there's some urgency to clear everything out you can store things in a storage right. unit and then make that those decisions later. And by the time the family makes those decisions, probably a lot of that emotion has sort of dissipated. Yeah. And so there's there's not as much conflict. You know, I was so lucky with my parents because they downsized our whole lives. They were always, you know, my dad was always donating stuff. So by the time it got down to, you know, clearing out their um, their assisted living apartment, it was pretty easy because we just set stuff aside. And then for my sister to go through later because she wasn't in town, there were no arguments. There were no disagreements. I think what we struggled with were the kind of family pieces of furniture that didn't really have value, but nobody had room for. So we, we really loved those pieces, but we didn't, we didn't really know what to do with them because nobody had room for them. Right. So what we ended up doing we tried to sell them, but we couldn't sell them. I mean, there's just so much stuff out there, you know, for sale. So we, we donated them to organizations that we knew our parents would appreciate. Um, and that, you know, that really kind of took some of the sting out of that. But it's, yeah, as time goes by, I think, yeah, because they never had anything of real value. You know, it was more sentimental value that we all had. But of course, we saved all the photo albums and I saved all their little address books, you know, that they wrote in the tiniest yeah. handwriting right. possible in yeah. pencil. You know? yeah. <laughs> just because I, I don't know why, but I just had to keep those things. Sandra, I am so glad you shared that story of your mother's things because you just described that beautifully. There are so many layers and our grief and our anticipation of saying goodbye to someone was tied in with that. And then after they left, the grief and sort of the responsibility of those things are in your possession and that you need to sort of be the steward of those things. And then one day, that essence of that person was gone. Yeah. And they were things. Again, it's just almost like a magical process. It really so that, is. That's, yeah. Yeah. That, and the that other was thing, beautiful. Thank you. Um, the other thing that I found helpful with my mom's stuff and even with my dad's stuff and even my own stuff, like with my kids, is I have on my iPhone, I have a folder. It's backed up. I have pictures of clothes before I donated them. Like, you know, cause you, you, especially when you're clearing out somebody's house who died, it's a secondary loss when you're giving everything away. It feels like more loss, more loss. So my siblings started laughing at me cause I would hold up the garment and I would snap a picture because I remembered my mom in this outfit, remembered my mom in that. And it made it easier to give away because I had these, these photos on my phone. Now, to be honest, I haven't opened up that folder in probably 10 years, but at the time it, I felt like I was 
losing less by taking a picture of it. Such a great Absolutely. idea. Really great idea. I wish we had done that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's my a, that's mother, my mother was, my mother is still alive. She's 94. She has dementia. But in her prime, she was a shoe pound. I mean, she could have given Imelda Marcos a run for her money. And so when it came time to, and of course, sadly, she can't wear these shoes anymore. She's wearing the good, sturdy, stable, non-heels. And so I took pictures of each pair of shoes before we donated them. And I have them on a photo album on my phone and I will show them, we'll, we'll spend 20 minutes looking at her collection and she'll say, oh, that's a pretty one. I like that. And I was like, oh yes, I remember you used to go dancing in those shoes, you know? So there are all sorts of, of purposes for doing that. And, and then that is the, a, a good invention of our time to be able to save some space somewhere. Yeah. And it does your heart good. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, because there's so yes. much heartache. I remember that. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing that I look at now. Like, you know, my dad had a stroke last year. I rehabbed him, you know, now he's more like he's watches Disney movies during the day. So it kind of feels like I have like a, another four-year-old again, you know, and he'll like, he likes the Disney movies and, you know, and he's so happy and he sits there with his tray of lunch. And um, is it my father, Commander Beck? No. Is it this person? I don't really know who this person is. You know what I mean? It's like, it's very interesting to go, I don't really know who you are anymore. I don't know how to classify you. Your body is my father, but this person that's there isn't. So there's a lot of sadness as people get old. There's a lot of confliction. Like, when do you put them in a home? Do you put them in a home? How long can I care for him? Like, you know, these things keep me up at night. And, you know, not that I'm praying for like a heart attack or a stroke, but I'm praying I don't have to make these decisions. And these decisions are really hard. So anything you can do to get a glimpse of happiness, if it's looking at your iPhone on a bunch of shoes, I'll take that any day. Yeah. And Leslie, I think your story is so good about your mom and maybe you should share, you know, with the listeners about you know, her living in the family home and how you had to downsize that. And then you moved her and just how stressful that was and sort of what you anticipated to happen really didn't happen. It turned out to be a happy story. Yes. So both my parents in insisted that they wanted to stay in the home that they built and help the architect design that they just had so much of their own self and style in this house. And they had lived there for 55 years. They did not want to leave. I tried many times to, oh, let's go to a senior living community. Let's do independent living, downsize. No, 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 no. My father was able to get his wish. He was able to pass away at the house. And my mother remained there after he died and her dementia was progressing. And I found that I was taking care of the elderly house so much 
I was constantly having to get things repaired and fixed and things would break down, et cetera. So I was getting older myself and I realized I can't keep this promise that I made to my mother, which is very difficult and heartbreaking to realize. And and honestly, uh, Amanda and I have a lot of experience dealing with people with dementia and sometimes moving people with dementia is just, it ends up in a huge mess. They never are able to uh, adjust. There's a lot of depression with moving. So I just didn't know what to expect. But I, I decided, I made the big decision, we're moving her, we're selling the house. And we have been so lucky. My mother has adjusted so well. To, we got her a little apartment. It's not in a senior situation. She has a caregiver and my sister and I uh, do as much as we can. And, you know, sometimes she'll say, it's time for me to go home now. And we'll say, you are home. She'll say, I am, I'm, this is my beautiful home. So she really, she taught me something that I as a professional person working in geriatrics did not know. And it is that, you know what? Sometimes it works out just fine. Sometimes it works out. So why do you think it worked out for your mom? Like, were there any indicators as a professional looking back? Like, is she an easygoing person? Does she thrive more on the people who visit her than where she lives? Like, what do you think were some of the criteria that made this move good for her? I think my mother was an art student and she's always been very interested in visuals and decorating. And so, I literally took her colors that were in her house and recreated that space as much as I possibly could in a much smaller place. And to be honest, it, it <laughs> with different colors on the walls, cause I couldn't, you know, it's an apartment, it's a rental. We didn't have, right. you know, we weren't allowed Part to paint wash, every right. color we wanted but it brightens everything up and makes everything look new. And I think that worked for my mother. You know, she, and, and to be honest, her dementia had advanced enough that she wasn't going to remember everything that wasn't there. Gotcha. So she's much more living in the moment and she's a pretty happy camper. And unless you're trying to get her in the shower. I'm glad you said that because one of the things and you know again you know we, I don't have experience in in you know having an elderly parent but I try to move my dad regularly so he's not like a plant growing roots in any one house like I had to work in New York recently and instead of getting a caregiver to come here, I flew him with me to New York from California, had him stay with my brother for a week. And then I went off to New York and I said to my brother, when I came back, how was he? Now he was like a little boy. When I came in, he hugged me like I was his mom. And then he put his head on my shoulder at the dinner table. Like, I'm so glad you're home, you know, very much childlike. 
but he was fine with my brother. He was fine with things. I think sometimes when they don't have any other view than their kitchen table, and I've had that kitchen table for 50 years, they can't even conceive a change. I'm hoping that if it comes to the point where I have to put my dad in care like that, that he's so used to going to my brother, going to my sister's house for a week, coming here, that it, it won't be like, you know, like you see on the TV, like mom and dad packing up and their, you know, their little suitcase going, you know, to some horrible place. It's just another adventure. It's another trip, which I think is great. You know, I have a, a couple, a, cl- a couple of clients that I've worked with for years and they're both professionals and she developed Alzheimer's and, you know, and she just recently died about three weeks ago at the age of 72. And he was extremely devoted to her. They didn't have any children. And he would consult with me to say, you know, she loves this house. She loves this house, but I can't get away. I cannot get away for five minutes or she gets so anxious. So what we decided was that he should try respite care at an assisted memory care, um, you know, close to him. And he was so shocked at how well she did. So whenever he needed to leave town, he would place her in the respite care. She got to know the staff, adjusted really well. So then when it was time for him to move her there permanently, it was seamless. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And so, but I think we were both, we were both anticipating and expecting that this would be traumatic for her with her anxiety level, but it didn't happen. So you just never know. Right. I mean, I think we do sometimes underestimate people. And yeah, you never know which way it's going to go. But I think your idea of moving your dad around is, is terrific. Oh, yeah. Because then it's like it becomes part of his experience. Right. You know, it's not a shock. Right. It's not a shock. Exactly. It's not like, you know, right, you're and stupid I, in this. And I do move, even I move the furniture around. I move things around so that brilliant. it's not you know, and he'll be like, you know, what happened to that picture up there? And I'm like, oh, I moved it there. I moved it around because I think it's not so much where they're going. It's the skill they have to navigate change. Yes. And, and I love that you're saying that because even people who have had cognitive changes, whether it's dementia or a stroke or some other sort of injury to the brain, they are people too. Right. You cannot just sit them in front of the same window. They need a change of channel. And that means in their space, not right. the TV channel. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I mean you it's know, just amazing. Well, I just was going to share. Oh, I was just going to say, just taking someone for a ride and driving or going to a different place, they don't even have to get out of the car, but sometimes they're just like, oh, Thank you. Right. Or moving them from room to room. Like my dad, he likes to be in his bedroom. He's got his 55 inch TV, his lazy boy, his bed and his dog. He doesn't need anything else. But then I'm like, I walk in, I go, dad, come on, let's have breakfast. I want you to have breakfast in the living room. And he sits there and he has breakfast in the living room because he's not there all day. And then, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll have him have breakfast in the kitchen. And it's, it's 10 feet apart. But it's a whole different thing for Pete, for him to look at. Now, watch him while he's eating. He'll be looking around in the living room. Now, we use our living room for holidays. But why not put him there 
it's a different experience within your own home. And I find if I just leave him in one room for too many days, he starts to get dopey. But if I move him mm-hmm. from place to place, come on, let's watch TV in the den. Or how about how about I give you breakfast in bed? You know, if he has a breakfast, if I'm going to do the sheets, he can have breakfast in bed. And they're new experiences or varied experiences within the same household, but it keeps him more alert. Like I said, he's less dopey. If I leave him when he was sick, I left him in the his room for like five days because he had COVID and I didn't want everybody else getting it. He got better, but he was just dull. Then when I put him in the living room, put him in the kitchen, put him in the dining room, put him in the car, like little things like that. I don't know what it does to their brain, but he was more alert. Yeah, Leslie, didn't you say simulation? Yeah. Yeah. And Leslie, didn't you say that your mom started watching people walk, walking their dogs? Oh my gosh. That's like one of the best things about where she lives is everybody has a dog. My mother is such a dog person. Her window where she eats, she sees people walk by all day long. And I'm noticing that we're also telling stories about these people. Like, oh, he's helping his wife get into the car and they probably got a doctor's appointment or he keeps walking past. He's worried about something or look at that dog. You know, she's only had that dog for a few months because she's not very good at holding him on the leash or whatever. And, you know, we all love to tell a story and it engages your brain. And that, you know, whether it's like, well, now where did that painting come from on that wall? How long have you had that? Where were you when when you decided you wanted that painting, you know, or whatever? So it's just always engaging in a story is useful to our brain and keeping it alive. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. And we're visiting today with Amanda Lambert and Leslie Eckford, and their website is mindfulaging.com. I really encourage you guys to sign up for their newsletter, their blog, whatever I get in my inbox, I absolutely love. It's always full of great information, mindfulaging.org. We'll be back again soon with another great episode. We're glad you joined us for Powered Up Talk Radio. Each week, we share innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be. See you next time on Powered Up Talk Radio.